0: Good morning morning. As we continue Examining the fruit of the spirit Let's remember what fruit is Fruit is evidence of life What is the only thing An apple tree needs to have To produce apples Does anyone remember Apple life in it If it has apple life in it It produces apples Not bananas Even though bananas are a nice fruit And an apple tree doesn't sit there just before harvest season and go, apples, apples, apples. I will have apples. and Through discipline, grunts them out. How many Christians come to church on Sunday and go, joy, joy, joy. It's Sunday. I'm supposed to smile. And they get out of the car and all of a sudden the mouth pulls back. And we show off our shiny teeth because I'm supposed to have joy. And we try to push it out like an apple tree trying to push out apples it doesn't work that way for apple trees i think it does for us as americans the word joy if you look it up in the dictionary you'll discover one of the synonyms for it is happiness we recently celebrated the fourth of july and many of us were reminded from on a news program of the declaration of independence which says that we should pursue life, liberty, and what? The pursuit of happiness. So since happiness is often thought of as a synonym for joy, we get the idea in our head we're supposed to pursue joy. Joy, 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 I will have joy. I'm going to make it happen. And it doesn't work that way. That's not what joy is. On your notes, you have a quote from C.S. Lewis in his book, Surprised by Joy. It's one of those quotes that you realize is saying a lot and you puzzle over for a long time, trying to figure out just what was he trying to say. Lewis wrote in the book, Surprised by Joy, Joy is an unsatisfied desire which is itself more desirable than any other satisfaction. I puzzled over that for a long time, trying to figure out what was he saying. I think he intentionally wrote it, so you'd have to think about it a lot to figure out what it means. I think what he is saying is joy is something we desire that hasn't been satisfied yet, unsatisfied desire, and it's more desirable than any desire we have which has been satisfied. When I had my stroke and was in the hospital, all I wanted to do was see my wife, the love of my life, the great joy of my life. I remember when she came in, each day she would come in one nursing home I was enrolled at. She would come about dinner time and share dinner with me. I'd watch the clock and a wait for when she would be calming. It was an unsatisfied desire. Yet when she showed up, that was more satisfying than anything. Even a room full of chocolates or new toys. If you've ever seen my garage, you know I like my toys. I started getting in woodworking a couple years ago. Saved up my money for birthday and Christmas and bought some different tools to do woodworking projects. My wife looks at them and wonders why I don't use them. Because I can't stand up and walk over there yet. Although I'm trying very hard. When that day comes when I can stand up and walk over there and use them. That will be a day of joy for me because it's an unsatisfied desire which will finally be fulfilled. God's joy is more desirable than any other satisfaction than any other thing that you may have that gets satisfied so in your study groups you can puzzle over that and unfold Lewis's comment as to what joy is and why we so often try to grunt out joy rather than simply allow the Spirit to indwell us and produce joy in our lives as a fruit of His life within us. Joy is in the New Testament is deeply associated with the proclamation of the Gospel message. You remember in Luke when the angels appear to the shepherds, what do they say? Joy to the world, we have the famous hymn based upon that. Hark! unto you this day is born a savior who is Christ the Lord in the town of Bethlehem the city of David Paul in his epistles often links joy to the proclamation of the gospel Jesus in the parable of the four soils talked about the rocky soil that received the word with joy and didn't persevere in it but Instead, on in the heat of the day, the seed wilted and did not come to maturity and bear fruit. Often we are like that. We forget that the joy comes from the message of salvation. So joy begins with forgiveness, and that eventually leads to obedience. When we start with the message of salvation... And let it bear fruit in our lives, which is obedience. We find joy. Some of you, before you became Christians, lived in the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life. Sin, as Paul says in Galatians, was controlling you. And there was no way out. In the ancient world, the same was true. The pagan religions in the ancient world, at the time of Christ and the apostles and the early church, basically left you at the point of despair and pessimism because they gave no hope, no way out. What do you do with all the evil around you? That's become true again today. One of the most popular genres of movies and literature now are not optimistic books but they're very pessimistic not utopian books but dystopia the one about this big series now that's popular The Young Girl that shoots the arrows to bring down a dictator it's a dystopia not a utopia not a place of goodness, of joy but a place of sadness of death of evil a dystopia our society has become like that of the first century filled with pessimism and despair and so the message of the gospel shines like a light in a dark room if you you say well I'm not a Billy Graham what can I do if you want to make people squint and you don't have a real bright light where do you go that's easy you go to a dark room that's our society now allowing the Holy Spirit to fill you and manifest the fruit of the Spirit makes you a light in the darkness and you will find some people will squint they will be uncomfortable being around the Christian coworker, neighbor or parent or fellow student at school I remember as an undergraduate our university that my wife and I went to prided itself on being filled with left-wing radicals. We had New Testaments in our campus group that had a paper dust jack on them that said blueprint for revolution. I well remember the day one of my classmates walked over to my desk and picked my New Testament up off my pile of books and said hey Green I didn't know you were one of those radicals and I said well look at it so he started reading flipping through the pages and he go, oh, oh it's a Bible and he dropped it as if it was flaming hot it scared him you want to make people squint go into a dark room that university was a very dark place just a small number of Christians seeking to live out the gospel made people squint so much that they would react in fear when they touched a Bible the fruit of the Spirit is what comes when we allow salvation to work through in our lives and the Spirit who indwells us at the moment of salvation fills us as a sail is filled with wind that is guides directs and controls our life Or characterizes our life as a room is filled with a fragrance so that we may be a sweet aroma wherever we go. I've told you several stories of people who were that kind of aroma who would change things when they walked into a room. Oh, to be such a person, that is a prayer worth praying each morning. Let me be an aroma of the spirit this day father wherever I go that people would know that you are real because the spirit manifests holiness through my life do we pray that prayer each day do we present ourselves to God as a place as a temple for him to fill which is our spiritual work of worship we prayed for the rescue of the boys in Thailand I prayed that there would be Christians there who being filled with the spirit would be an aroma of God himself in the midst of that heroic rescue and that God would get the glory and God does such things he brings Christians into hospitals into the military into the workplace that people may know that there is a God who is alive and works for the good in the lives of those who will submit themselves to Him. So allowing the Spirit to fill us is the key to genuine spiritual life. Genuine spiritual life then is the life of the Spirit manifest through us. A life of what Paul called the fruit of the Spirit, of love, of joy, of peace, of patience, of kindness, of goodness, of faithfulness, of gentleness, and of self-control. Joy is not just smiling, but it is an inner satisfaction, an inner peace, an inner pleasure that God creates within us. It's more desirable than anything else. When people see that, they know we are different. In Psalm 51, David wrote, Let me hear joy and gladness, let the bones you have crushed rejoice. If you remember when we studied Psalm 51 some time ago, it was a psalm written by David after he had committed adultery with the wife of Uriah the Hittite, Bathsheba. David followed violating the commandment not to commit adultery by violating other commandments, murder. He ordered a battle to be set up where Uriah would be killed so that Bathsheba would be a widow and he could look like the good guy by taking Bathsheba to be his wife, caring for the widow of one of his slain shoulders, soldiers. She became pregnant by David's actions. When the baby died, I suspect David spent a week on the ground, the Bible tells us, with his face down, begging for the baby's life. I think that's when he finally admitted his sin and composed the outline of what became Psalm 51. Let me hear joy and gladness, he said in verse 8 of Psalm 51. How do you hear joy and gladness? You experience joy and gladness, don't you? I know where you hear joy and gladness, at a party. What were the parties in ancient Israel? They were the festivals which centered around the worship of God. The special sacrifices, all were accompanied by a festival. So what he's saying when he says, let me hear joy and gladness is, let me worship you again. Let me be with other Christians who worship you. Worship should transform us so that we are different when we leave having worshipped. That's one of the reasons why it's important to begin each day with worship. We often call that quiet time. Reading scripture, singing a hymn and a time of prayer getting our attention completely upon us giving to God that praise which he's worthy of getting our head on straight so to speak so our mental attitude is correct for the day David says I want to worship you so that when he says the bones we have crushed rejoice he's speaking of how his sin has made him feel destroyed it's robbed him of joy sin will do that it will rob you of joy in your life to recover the joy we need to do as David did confess our sin admit its wrongfulness and once again begin to worship God be restored to our salvation because joy begins with forgiveness and then is experienced through obedience. Salvation gives us forgiveness and then empowers us to obey God. As Jesus taught us to pray, that will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Salvation enables us to do God's will on earth as it is done in heaven. That's another thought worthy of discussing and thinking in your groups is that become your habit of life so that joy is characteristic of your life another interesting thought on joy is joy is independent of circumstances happiness is completely dependent upon circumstances in order to be happy all my circumstances have to be going the way I want them to go it has to be good for me but I can have joy as Paul did when he was in prison he had joy and the guards began to come to faith in Christ because Paul didn't respond in prison the way other people did recently our small group had a movie night and we watched The Hiding Place the story of Corrie Ten Boom and her sister arrested by the Nazis during World War II for hiding Jews and the joy that the Ten Boom sisters had in the Nazi concentration camp led many people towards Christ and since their death has led others to Christ who have reflected on how would I respond if I was thrown in such a horrid place and why did they respond so differently than I would have joy does not require circumstances as happiness does whatever is true in your life now God's Spirit wishes to fill you with joy as His Spirit fills you then to manifest joy through your life so that it becomes characteristic of your life along with the other fruit of the Spirit. If you live by the Spirit, Paul said in Galatians 5:16, you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. Later on in that passage, he explains what the desires of the sinful nature are thus the Spirit sets us free to obey free to have a life that is not one of darkness one dragged down by all the negative things one that is different one that as the angels told the shepherds is a life of joy joy to the world for your Savior has come the Savior is the one who rescues us or delivers us from some trial or danger. So our Savior has come and He has set us free from the trials and dangers that surround us and seek to encompass us and lead us down to the pit. Perhaps the question we should reflect on is have we allowed the Spirit of God to create within us the fruit of the Spirit? And do we are we characterized by those fruit? As we pointed out before, fruit is singular, meaning that all nine traits are what the Spirit creates within us. It's not that some people get love, some get joy, some get gentleness, and others just get self-control. They're very dry and disciplined. But we all have the Spirit wishes to manifest all nine traits within all of us. For some of us like myself as I shared last week love is very difficult. The Spirit changed me. I remember well when as a fairly young Christian working with the youth in the church the youth pastor told me I was effective with them because they knew I loved them and I said back to him no you don't understand I don't know how to love people he did understand it was me who did not understand I did not understand that God had been changing me making me into what he intended me to be not into what I was created in me that which had not been there and when I realized that I all I could do was praise God because I was filled with joy that he was changing me making me into a different person I hope you've all had that same experience of joy and that you too will yield yourselves to him to be his man or his woman in the place where he has put you in spite of how dark it may be, I see my, our sister Helen right in the back. She's working at a ministry to women who have an unexpected pregnancy and need an alternative. For many of them, the world is all darkness. There's no hope, there's no light, there's no future except poverty and hard work. For many of them, the ministry of the Holy Spirit will be deliverance from hopelessness. It will be an unfulfilled desire that's more satisfying than any other satisfaction. because the spirit can work in any of us remember the illustration of the sail filled with the wind if you had to take one of those giant tall ships when they come into the harbor and had to row it across like Michigan you'd be rowing forever and the ship would still be sitting at the dock you'd never get there If we had to be holy, be what God wanted us to be on our own, we'd never get there. But He's given us the Spirit to fill us, to empower us, to transform us, to become the kind of person He created us to be. To be filled with His Spirit and have the fruit of the Spirit become characteristic of our lives. That's salvation, that's redemption. That's worth smiling about and being happy about and finding joy in. And telling other people about, isn't it? So will we and do we? Peter found joy in salvation. In first Peter chapter one, verse three he said, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy is giving us new birth to a living hope from the resurrection of Jesus Christ by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that can never perish spoil or fade so we have been born again to a living hope not across your fingers wish I may wish I might maybe it will go well that gives real joy I grew up in a church that emphasized do this and don't do that and you'll get to heaven sometimes that meant getting up very early to go to a worship service at 6am in the morning during the Lenten season we would all do that the sidewalks would be filled with people walking to go to an early morning worship service somehow that was supposed to get us points with God that would translate into getting into heaven So my hope was basically a fictional hope. A wish I may, wish I might. I hope when I die it will happen. It was not a living hope. Then when I went to college and started meeting genuine Christians, I saw that they had a, a true living hope. That was during the Vietnam War era when the media had convinced all the young men my age that we'd be drafted and go to Nam and be killed and come home in a body bag. So many of my generation were very pessimistic and discouraged people because there was no hope. Then I met people at college like Marty Root in my dorm who was different. And when I asked why he was different, he told me about the person of Jesus Christ and took me to a prayer meeting kind of a strange evangelistic strategy it just left me confused because I'd always been taught that prayer was something that I was not competent to do I needed to get a book and read the prayer out of the book and these people just sat on a table bowed their heads and spoke to God that which was within their heart they seemed to really know him their hope was living it was made them different people. There was a fragrance about them that was completely different. Not the fragrance of people just trudging off to go to church at six o'clock in the morning because that's how you gain favor with God. Not a dead hope or a fictional hope, but a living hope. I agree with Peter. When you discover a living hope, one that is alive and transforms your life it gives you joy as lewis said it's a desire more more desirable than any other satisfaction there was nothing in my life that i liked a lot before i became a christian that came close to the satisfaction of knowing god and of knowing that my sins were really forgiven of knowing that I did not have to somehow atone for my own sins, pay back God for what I had done wrong by doing good things. Because I knew I never could do enough good things. Paul, in Romans sixteen nineteen, said about the Romans, Everyone has heard about your obedience so that I am full of joy over you. I want you to be wise about what is good and innocent about what is evil he wanted them to understand what is good and not spend their time focusing on what was evil when he saw that they obeyed God that salvation had transformed them that having been forgiven they set about obeying God he was filled with joy so investing our lives in the lives of others as Paul did is one way of finding joy. For when they walk with God it gives us great joy. The Apostle John, Second John 4 said it has given me great joy to find some of you some of your children walking in the truth just as the Father commanded us. Investing our lives in the lives of others who then walk with God is one of the greatest sources of joy for Christians. So we often encourage you to be involved in Bible study groups where you can invest your lives in the lives of others. In the children's and youth ministry, how many children are transformed by an adult that loved them and introduced them to Christ? When they were yet a little child, not understanding good and evil at all. But an adult showed them who Jesus was, is. And that drew them to salvation. And when you see those people you invest your life in walking with God, it gives you great joy. So that's a hint. Life is a stewardship. How are you investing your life? In others or in hobbies? In succeeding in career? In having the perfect lawn or the perfect whatever? The whatever should be making disciples, people who walk with God in love and in holiness. There are some other passages in your notes you might want to look at this afternoon as you think about joy and whether the fruit of the spirit of joy has become characteristic of your life. I hope you all have a spouse or parent you can pray with or a prayer partner from your group you pray with. Pray for each other that the fruit of the Spirit of joy will be manifest in and through you. One of the great pleasures of living the Christian life, experiencing the fruit of the Spirit. We're nearing time for our benediction. Sunday should be a day of rest and reflection some people have already commented about some of the hymns and the words I heard some comments made after the first hymn was sung maybe reflecting on those words again this afternoon would be beneficial to your soul certainly taking time to pray through a hymn is often beneficial to our soul to make the words our prayer joy to us For a Savior has been born to us who is Christ, the Lord, born in Bethlehem to rescue us from the darkness that surrounds us, the darkness of our pessimistic, dystopian world. To rescue us from grief, from despair and hopelessness to a living hope through the one who has redeemed us from condemnation and given us new life. Will you bow your heads and pray with me? And then we will have the benediction and be dismissed. Our Heavenly Father, we acknowledge that we often look to the things of this world for happiness and substitute that for the joy that you wish to give us forgive us for our foolishness and we pray the Spirit will live within us and create within us the fruit of the Spirit that we may manifest love and joy and peace and patience kindness, goodness, faithfulness gentleness and self-control every day of our lives and in so doing be an aroma that is pleasing to you an aroma that transforms the very sense of wherever we are, of our neighborhood, our schools, and our workplace. For we are helpless to do such a work. The only thing we seem able to do well is to continue to sin. Having forgiven us, cleanse us, and transform us, from that which was sinful to that which is holy. We pray in reliance upon you to do that which is impossible for us. Fill us now by your Spirit and with your Spirit. We pray in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ who sent the Spirit to do these very things in our life. Amen.